Hello, and welcome to this edition of Expressions. I'm your host, Sierra Tavares-Reyes. Today's topic, can black people be racist? A man cannot hate the whip with which he is being flogged, but then be expected to love the person doing the flogging. When such a black man, lying helpless, bleeding on the ground, expresses hate for the white person wielding the whip, it is only reasonable. Many times in the presence of whites, I have found myself in a position that no black person should ever find themselves in. After being accused of being a racist by liberals and conservatives, both black and white, I have found myself having to explain my existence as a black person and why the system does not favor a person of color. Having said this, there are two things that I want to address. First, I have lost patience continuously explaining what it means to be a privilege to a white person and why black pain is valid. Second, I understand that black people have a right to voice out their pain. Their pain does not require validation from a white person to be considered real. If your arrogance as a white person is blinding you from seeing this, then it's time you did some introspection. Do not be quick to jump on the victim bandwagon and accuse blacks of being racist. Black people can never be racist. We never have the tools or the power to institutionalize racial oppression. So next time you as a white person want to accuse black people of reverse racism and insufficient anger, check yourself and your privilege. May we learn to stop equating the need to speak out against racial inequality with angry blacks or black people punishing whites. We do not have the time or energy or interest to hate, but we, what we do have time for is the emancipation of the black person, both physically and mentally. Do not attempt to silence our voices. You will fail horribly at that. Black pain is valid and demands to be felt. On discrimination based on one's color, I can only concur that blacks can be prejudicial towards whites, but not racist. What do I mean? Before I attempt to give an explanation of my argument, I first have to define words that serve as premises prejudice and racism. Prejudice refers to a positive or negative evaluation of another person based on their perceived group membership. Racism, on the other hand, refers to social actions, practices or beliefs or political systems that consider different races to be ranked as inherently superior or inferior to each other. Furthermore, Racism is a socioeconomic with systemic structures which promote one's racist power over another. Socioeconomic being the operative word, I am certain that you will agree that black people do not have the resources to impose such oppressive structures which enforce their superiority 
White people, on the other hand, have and had imposed them on blacks for over four centuries of slavery and colonialism. Black people can be prejudiced, but not racist. And quite frankly, we black people are tired of having to deal with white people who have an inclination to play the you're also racist card. The energy and time invested in voicing such a statement should be focused on understanding how whites can alienate themselves from their privilege and what is the source of black anger. By doing so, whites will understand our pain and realize that they need to free themselves from the prison of privilege that took centuries to construct. The exclamation of such bigotry that blacks are also racist is incited both by white arrogance and ignorance. It's about time we unpack all of the clueless vitriol that often comes from white people when we dare to talk about black pain. We need to reject the notion that the blackness of our skin absolves us to the hate we are capable of spewing from our lips. We need to address the white view that when we talk about race, we always seek an easy target instead of of a debate to transform the whole society. It has become a norm to be told that we are not the only victims in this world and racial oppression does not need to be given first priority over many oppressive issues caused by multitudes of privileges. For example, a black male is told to check on his heterosexual privilege, gender privilege, etc. The gender and wealth privileges are the most pardoned privileges amongst blacks and mostly they serve as a liberal propaganda and a form of campaigns to argue that we all have one form or the other of privilege. All forms of oppression need to be addressed by white feminism. It's far from the multiple societal oppressions a black woman has to experience. And we'll be right back. Lastly, we have to address those who are quick to accuse us of segregation when we question a liberal integration of all races while one race continues to thrive on the exploitation of the other. The segregation we advocate for is not a principle or a worldview, but a tactic needed to remove hegemony from the struggle. Whites need not to reduce black pain by feeling the need to equate it to how they have also been mistreated. And it is very suspicious of white liberals to quickly shout that blacks 
are also racist in their defense when they are asked to examine their privilege. First of all, when black people voice out their pain, that is not the time or the platform for whites also voice out an opinion. White people need to learn the importance of respecting context and what is appropriate at what time. When a woman has been raped, she is comforted and efforts made to give her justice. She is not simply told, oh, but don't deny the fact that you too are capable of rape. I find the white arrogance disgusting. As concerned black people, we are tired of having white people want to claim the spotlight even when we all want to do is talk about our pain. That is why we have been distancing ourselves from whites because black people have been robbed of opportunities of dealing with our with pain of our own. Because in the past, every time we did, there was always a white person saying the same kind of thing or thinking in the same parallel. That the struggle is about classes in society, not race. Why must black people educate white people on what it means to be humane? We are tired of doing that. And it's crazy how the people closest to the oppression have to constantly explain themselves in their anger. This isn't about you. Your opinion is not wanted. How dare you want to equate our struggle as black people, our black women especially, to what you go through. The major problem with those who accuse blacks of being capable of racism lies with the comparison of our pain. Our pain is an existential truth in its own light, in its own right. You need to understand my fellow black people when they reject white involvement now. It's primarily because of people who are arrogant and who think that freedom of speech allows them to speak whenever they want to. Second, these are the things that do not sit well with me. One, white and black scholars always are in the forefront of defining and describing racism to the level of their academics or experience. It is as if they are saying that people who are not white or from European origins or even academic route should not point out flaws in white people's use of words in regards to reasoning because of the color of our skin discounts us from such a privilege. Apparently, it is arrogant for us concerned blacks to even think about correcting a white person's use of English on the context of racism. The usage of the word racist being subject to find relevancy in the awful practice or hate speech by a black person. My assertion is that a black person's attitude toward white skin could be viewed as prejudice. 
not that black people are racist. The usage of the word racist relative to a hate speech by blacks on blacks or whites is incorrect. A subjugated group cannot be racist. They can only be prejudicial. As I have pointed out, people have to make up their mind in regards to what exactly they seem to be advocating for. The color of my skin does not discount me from being racist, but the very society that we as black people find ourselves in, where we are automatically inferior due to the continuous systemic support of white privilege, which discounts us from being racist. Due to the fact that we find ourselves in this inferior position, it is impossible for us to be racist. Do not make the struggle seem superficial by likening it to the color of our skin. It's more than that. And you need to start recognizing that black liberals are buying into white people's ignorance if their integration does not question white hegemony, arrogance, and privilege of centuries. We'll be right back after this break. There's no need to be petty. You have your opinion and you have the right to voice it. Just recognize my right to disagree with that view. Your advocacy in saying we are racist or questioning your privilege and arrogance shows exactly the mentality that black radicals have always been speaking out against. Just because a black person chooses to differ from the white's worldview, they should not be painted as bitter or hateful. I am allowed to speak out and differ from your view and my thoughts, just like every other human being must be recognized as valid. The call regarding the need for others to check their privilege is something that is important but completely irrelevant to debates on racial constructs. There are other victims in the world, but the fact is that white privilege is still largely supported in South Africa. Pointing them out is just an attempt to distract us from the topic at hand. Even if we engage on your matter, you must recognize that black people themselves must still face their subjugation by race in addition to their subjugation by wealth, gender, etc. So we will check our privilege, but recognize that your context is easier because you do not have to first bypass any constraints 
that your race places on you. Whites also need to be reminded that their privilege is mainly at the core of what keeps most of the world's population underprivileged. Whites who refuse to acknowledge the fact that in the current system, blacks cannot be racist will necessarily miss the massive nuance around the discussion of structural and systemic oppression as opposed to simple slurs or offensive statements. In missing that nuanced discussion, you would miss the opportunity to contribute to solving that problem. You would simply continue to ignore it. You would continue to alienate the real victims of oppression by equivocating their suffering to any prejudice experienced by someone who has the social standing to shrug it off. You would derail and scuttle the progress of those trying to solve the actual problem by forcing discussions to be refocused on your own misunderstandings. You would continue to come across as bigoted and annoying. But if you want to continue with your way of looking at things, my suggestion would not be to continue to voice them on a comment of someone who has voiced their frustration based on experiences of oppression. For a black person who for 500 years has known nothing but colonialism, nothing but apartheid, nothing but imperialism, it is only logical that such a man would hate the system. And reasonably, a man cannot hate the scourge that has whipped his body for centuries, but love the person who has been doing the whipping. When such a black man lying bleeding on the floor helpless professes to hate the white person wielding the scourge, it is only reasonable. The only time such a man can ever be accused of being racist is when he has his own scourge equal in length and quality as to the one held by the white man whipping him in. It is when the bleeding person is equal to his tormentor that he has the power to exert anything on him and to be racist. So talking about racism, um, this is a very blistering topic for many of you that are probably going to be listening, Um, but I wanted to basically explain the differences between racism and prejudice and what the terms are. So um, if you are a white person and you're listening to this and you respond and say that um, there were some black people that were racist towards you because you went into a black neighborhood and they looked at you as if you didn't belong there. That is really not um, a defense to basically uh, to calling someone uh, a black person a racist because they looked at you weird. Um, 
if I, a black person, went into a white neighborhood and I was the only black person that was there and I got a lot of stares, then people would probably think that I was up to trouble or something. They would feel that I didn't belong there unless I was there to cause trouble. Because that is the way that that society sees us as troublemakers and people that are going to do something uh, inherently bad or something. And as I stated earlier, we as black people have never been in the position of power. So we, if you can think back in the 60s and the 50s, when is the last time that black people owned restaurants and told white people that they cannot answer because of the color of their skin or water fountains, etc.? So therefore, we cannot be racist. And we'll be right back after this break. Now let's shift gears. Racism in Hollywood, for example. What Hollywood movies do to perpetuate racial stereotypes. Cinematic stereotypes reflect and shape common prejudices. Perceptions can be influenced by portrayals as black men as dangerous, Latinas as fiery, Asians as nerdy. In recent years, there has been an increased attention on racism and sexism in Hollywood films, which can be reflected in who acts in front of the camera, who directs behind it, and how people are represented on screen, and often all three. To illustrate how stereotypes have been developed in Hollywood, D.W. analyzed tropes used in more than 6,000 Oscar-eligible movies since 1928. Hollywood history provides many examples of races, caricatures. Black and Asian people have been repeated targets. Take the 1961 Audrey Hepburn movie. Breakfast at Tiffany's and the bucktooth Mr. Yunioshi, whose stereotypical English accent was intended to mock Japanese people. He is notorious, and there are so many more examples. From racist caricatures to lingering stereotypes, racism in the form of job exclusion and racially stereotyped roles has defined the Hollywood industry since its birth in the early 1900s. 
the sociologist Nancy Wang Yuan writes in her book, Real Inequality, Hollywood Actors and Racism. Indeed, Asian characters in the early days of Hollywood mostly appeared in the form of racist cliches, either as a mysterious, menacing villain, or as laughable caricatures, such as Mr. Yunioshi. In addition to everything else, that character is played by the entirely white American actor, Mickey Rooney, thus making it an example of Yellowface, a non-Asian person impersonating an Asian person. This practice used to be quite common in Hollywood. Production teams were reluctant to hire minority actors of any kind. Instead, often opting to use white actors in their place. This practice became self-reproducing. Sociologists have found that prejudice break down when people of various ethnic groups have been increased contact with each other. But Asian communities have historically been frequently marginalized in the United States. Even today, most images of Asians and Asian Americans on screen weren't created by Asians or Asian Americans, but by people who don't know much about them, says Kento Ono, who studies media representations of race at the University of Utah. This creates a very strange idea of who Asians and Asian Americans are for those who don't know any Asian people. And it is also, it also creates a very confused and a strange relationship by Asians and Asian Americans to Hollywood because they can't fully identify with this bizarre reputation representation rather of themselves black characters die first in Hollywood movies as with Asians black characters often weren't played by black people in the early days of Hollywood in fact they barely appeared at all except as caricatures played by white actors in blackface. This practice originated in the American theater tradition of minstrel shows in which racist stereotypes about black people were a staple. Blackface occurs much less frequently now after a long period of criticism of the practice. In Dear White People, for example, college fraternity members throw a blackface themed party which the film, as well as the Netflix series of the same name, use as the basis for discussion of racism at colleges across the United States. But as Hollywood has featured more black characters and cast more black actors, it has also emphasized other stereotypes. To this day, black men are often portrayed as scary or angry and black women as loud mouth and sassy. 
if a movie features one black token character, it's likely to be with the black best friend. If people die in a movie, the black character is still likely to go first. Even with the awareness of racial stereotypes rising, Hollywood persists with these tropes. So with that being said, as you can hear now to those people who are listening, in the early days of Hollywood, black people or other minorities were not even allowed to be on television because they would not want to see them on TV. So that's where blackface came in to make up for that. And all that did was reinforce racial stereotypes and basically portrayed black people as inferior intelligence and uh, uneducated etc and I know what you're thinking you're probably thinking like okay well there have been movies where black people make fun of white people and but this is not really the same thing because it's one thing to dress up and play a character but and say okay well this is the way one person of this race is or this is let's say someone a black person is dressed up and is playing um a southern californian girl or something like that with a southern californian accent that is not a representation of all white people and saying that all white people are from Southern California with that type of accent. Does that make sense? Um, It is not putting her down and saying that she is of inferior intelligence or that she is stupid or dumb or, or any type of stereotype such as that. Um... That's why blackface is offensive for that, for that particular reason. And it paints uh, black people into this negative light over, with these overpronounced lips and these bulging eyes and to say that that's how all black people are. That is why it is offensive. And second of all, not all black people speak with Ebonics. That was another stereotype. But these types of stereotypes have been ingrained in our culture so much. They've been embedded that people actually want to believe that they are actually true. With that, I will take a break and we'll be right back after this. So I think that when black people were allowed to be on television, um, a lot of the times their roles were oftentimes uh, something that was uh, stereotypical and denigrating like uh, thugs, crackheads, maids, slaves, chicken heads, being lazy being violent, uh, satisfied with lowly positions, 
being a, a drug dealer. They didn't even have uh, black dolls uh, for black kids to play with. So um, there would be no way to be introduced into your culture as a little girl. And when you have a doll that does not look like you, uh, the same thing goes with like coloring books. I mean, you look and it's just, there's nobody that looks like you. There's no Barbie doll that has hair that matches the hair of a black person that they can emulate with every day of our life. Um, what we've seen in movies and magazines and on television has been the white woman, you know, and that is where privilege comes in. Um, white privilege is also googling the word beauty and seeing only white people's faces there so so it has only been recently that we have seen images of ourselves that uh, we could emulate now some people were saying how come a lot of black people talk the way that they do not all black people speak with Ebonics and um the reason why we have ebonics is because that is something that came out of slavery. It is when the white slave master did not want the um, the black slaves to sound intelligent or to speak proper English like him. So basically, he was not allowed to read a book. And uh, he was basically, it was to undermine him. It was to cut him down. It was to make him to sound unintelligent. And that is why we have that uh, till this day. Why some black people speak with Ebonics. Not all black people talk this way. So this is why black people cannot be racist given the history. And that is what makes it what it is. Black people have never ever been in the the position or the throne of power to treat white people like this but I can only imagine what would happen if the situation were reversed and there was only black black dolls to play with and there was white people that needed an image of themselves and they found themselves having to feel inferior or feel like they needed to darken their skin to assimilate into a culture or a society that was not really theirs but many of the times I will say that um, there is not often a time where there is clearly enough positive representation of african-american people on television on network television i should say um at least from what i gather at least probably i think that's um back in the maybe in the 80s when we got the uh, cosby show you know showed a middle-class family a nuclear family that is something that has really never really been seen before you see it's where there's an absent father and and the family's all broken up and there's crime and there's drugs and the mom's in jail etc and it's just chaos and uh so i'm really really glad that uh for for the cosby show because it showed that hey this is not 
you know, this is not your everyday family, but there are families out here that do look like this. So in closing, I just wanted to say, I know there's probably going to be lots of people that are going to be very, very upset with me right now for doing this podcast, but I think that I want to let people know this is not... This is not an attack against white people. This is just merely speaking the truth about the way things have been. I have no animus or anything towards any white person at all. I am merely speaking the truth about the history and the definitions between prejudice and racism so people can understand the difference, understand where we've been and where we're going to. So basically, in order to fix the problem, we we have to recognize what is um, what is not fair. You see someone who is being mistreated, or you see someone else who is being subjugated, and you have privilege, and you see someone else that does not have that same privilege based on their skin color, and you don't say anything about it, and you allow it to continue, then you become a silent partner in its continuance. I'm Sierra Tavares Reyes, and this has been Can Black People Be Racist? Have a blessed night.